Perfect, perfect. Got to plug a few things in here because this morning will be a little bit different. Uh, we are going to be back in that same passage in John 15 that Zeke taught from back in January, but we're not going to do kind of the same thing that was done then. We're not going exactly verse by verse through that passage. And there's a reason behind that. Um, I've been around this church for about 12 years now. It was a little more than 12 years ago I started dating Zeke's oldest daughter. And about 10 years ago, we were married. And uh, it's allowed Zeke not only to um, kind of poke fun at me, have, have, a, have a good time at my expense here and there, but also to get to know my upbringing, my background, and my family. And the concept of agriculture in the Bible is not a foreign concept. Uh, if you recall from John chapter 15, um, there is mention of fruit and pruning and vines. And that resonates for me. Let me see if I can get this thing in there. There we go. Apparently putting it right side up helps. Okay. We're going to have pictures on the screens this morning. Because my, my desire is to take my background in agriculture and let it collide with the Word of God. And in that collision with the Word of God... Oh, sorry. Okay, so let me see if I can get my... Okay, so that's... Yep, that's, that's some family there. Yep, okay. That's, there we go, there we go, there we go. Don't worry, you'll get to see one of my kids later in one of the slides. Um, but my desire this morning is to take that text and illuminate it for you. Uh, about 25 years ago, my family started a farm services business. Uh, my dad is a, a farmer by trade, has a plant science degree, and a number of years ago he decided, you know, he wanted to spend his life uh, growing crops, producing fruit. And like many people who want a farm, he was faced with the reality that, that buying farms is expensive, and um, with where he and my mom were financially, that wasn't really an option, so they decided to start a company that would farm for other people, a farm management services company. So say you had a 100-acre farm, and um, you had a bunch of trees or plants on there that produced fruit, and you really didn't want to take care of it anymore. You could hire a company like my family's company. And we'd come in, and we'd do everything start to finish, um, from either planting new plants, uh, irrigating, pruning, harvest, you name it, you name it. Uh, in the early 90s, there was about a couple hundred acres that we served, and um, that business has grown and grown and grown over time. Uh, today, we farm a little over 12,000 acres between California and Oregon. Um, and crops like citrus and blueberries and grapes and almonds and pistachios. Um, so we are in the business of production, of being fruitful. Uh, people don't hire us to make their farms look pretty. People hire us to make their farms profitable, and farms are profitable because they produce fruit. And so as Zeke was sharing with me a few months ago the vision that he had for this church, the refresh, renew, revive, and I listened to what he shared out of John 15. I, thoughts came up to me, and just things came to mind that I shared with he and with Daniel, just about the deeper realities of some of the, of, of the words and language that are used in that portion of Scripture. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. Um, because I, I feel like I can bring a fair bit of context. I was sharing last night with a group of leaders from the church that in this calendar year alone, in 2017, um, uh, my team, we will prune 5.9 million blueberry plants in this year alone. And that makes up about a, a third of the, of the acreage that we farm in total, but it's a significant part. And so we have a real, real close connection to caring for a plant and to helping that plant become not just fruitful, but to also then bear more fruit and much fruit, which I know is another kind of banner that, that Zeke has shared for this church to bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. 
So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to be back into John 15. I'm actually going to read that first 11 verses again. And then we're going to really camp in two specific passages. So we can really just dive into the deeper meaning there. So let's start in John 15. Open your Bibles if you don't have them there yet. We're starting John 15, verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. Um, this is part of what's called the upper room discourse. So Jesus is about to be arrested. He knows that. He's about to go to the cross. And he has this final time with his disciples that starts about John 13 and like the mid-30s verse-wise and carries through to the end of John chapter 16. And in that time, it's kind of like his last hurrah with the disciples. He's trying to impart to them everything they're going to need to know when he's gone to carry forward the mission he's given them. Um, right before this, right before he gets to John 15, he's talked with them about the Holy Spirit and the role of the Spirit with them. And then in John 15, verse 1, Jesus here, we start with, Jesus saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. We're going to start in kind of the midsection of that passage, verse 5. And we're going to start there for this reason. This truly forms kind of the, uh, the theme of the entire 11 verses, this one verse here. Now, many of you who either are familiar um, with kind of typical uh, writing practices, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're still in school, or maybe you just you enjoy writing, you know that today often we teach our students to start the, pass- to start the paragraph with a topic sentence and then provide details behind it. What's recorded here in John 15 is Jesus teaching orally. And with the way they taught orally, they had a bit of different flow to things. Very often they would provide some details, they would hit home with the theme, and they'd provide some more details about that theme after it. That's how these first 11 verses are formed. So this forms, really, this, this is the crux of those 11 verses right here. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is Jesus. This is the ultimate goal Jesus has for his disciples. That they would abide. That word abide comes from the Hebrew word for dwelling place. And really, that word abide, it's, it's the active form of, of that word dwelling place in Hebrew. So it's the idea of like sticking close to me. Dwelling in me. Resting in me. Jesus saying, if you rest in me and I'm in you, you're going to bear much fruit. There's going to be something from your life that comes out that benefits others. Because if you know anything about plants and fruit, plants don't eat their own fruit. It's not like plants drop fruit sometimes just to kind of reabsorb it in the root system and kind of, they're not self-feeding that way. 
Fruit is for someone else. It's sustenance for someone else. It has purpose for someone else. But it's what a healthy plant produces that has a strong connection to its source. Uh, with grapes, uh, the vine is what connects to the ground. The vine. If you guys have ever seen a vineyard, there's kind of like that thick brown stalk that comes out of the ground and it spreads across these like trellises and then has these little green shoots that come off it. The green shoots are the branches. The vine is kind of, it's, it's, it's the like th- deeply rooted kind of thick stalk. It's, it's the foundation of a vineyard. Jesus is saying, that's me. I'm that. I'm connected into the source of life. And if you stick with me, if you, if you stay, just, if you remain in me, you're going to have everything you need to bear fruit. So let's talk for a second about fruit production. Uh, because that's, that's the business that I'm in, is in the business of producing fruit. And in farming, there's kind of an equation for how fruit is produced. There are some necessary pieces that all have to be there to get fruit in the end. And it starts with the sun. It starts with the sun. So we have kind of a, an equation when we want to kind of draw out uh, how much fruit we're going to produce. We look at four factors in particular. Um, the first is called photosynthetic active radiation, PAR. Basically, it's the sun. But we put the words photosynthetic active in front of it because there's a certain time of the day when the radiation from the sun is intense enough that plants can do photosynthesis. That plants can do that process. And photosynthesis is the process of that plant taking radiant energy from the sun and turning it internally into chemical energy that then can be used in the plant. And there's only certain windows of the day when that works. When the, fu- when the sun first comes up and there's just a little bit of gleam, that, that's, that's not intense enough. It's not intense enough. So we, in, in farming, we often chart out, okay, during these certain times of the year, I'm getting this amount of photosynthetic active radiation. I'm getting this amount of sunlight with the intensity that these plants need to do something, to take what's coming from the sun and internally produce something for food. After we measure the kind of the radiation from the sun that's good enough, that's good enough for us to produce food, we look at, okay, what fraction of that can the plants get? How much can they actually take in? And that's tied to the leaves. It's tied to the leaves. A plant without leaves has no ability to absorb the energy from the sun. And so we are very attentive to try to help these plants produce not just a lot of leaves, but well-placed leaves to kind of be spread enough to where they can take in as much of that active radiation as they can get. So, all right, there's the first two steps. How much, how much is the sun pouring out? How much can we take in? The next thing we look at, though, is how efficient is that plant at using what it can take in and turning that into life and turning that into that chemical energy that's used internally those carbohydrates that are produced. Sorry for all the, if there's technical language here, but um, I, I, I run remiss of ways to describe it otherwise. But how efficient is that plant? And it's interesting. I feel like that is something that the Lord is also attentive to. How efficient is someone in taking what he wants to pour out, what not S-U-N, but the S-O-N wants to pour out? How efficient is someone who is postured with, with leaves ready to receive to take that and internalize it? and to benefit from it. In Luke chapter 8, starting verse 4, we see, you can turn there with me if you'd like, it'll be just real, real quick, we're there. Luke 8, verse 4. We see Jesus tell a parable of the sower. 
He says, when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus was very aware that there would be some who could pretty efficiently take in what he was giving and use it for life. And that there would be others who their hearts were not ready. And he could pour out all he wanted, but it was going to get snatched up or it was going to get choked out. And so, if we want to be fruitful in our lives, not only do we need to recognize that the Son is the source and that we need to be postured in a way that we're ready to receive from Him, but also to realize that the condition of our heart will impact how, how well we can take what He's given us and let it produce fruit within us. And then the last part, the fourth part of that equation, is we look at how much of what that plant is able to efficiently turn into energy is it pushing towards fruit? Towards fruit. And there is a there is a timing every year where we start pulling back and we start we start pulling back nutrition from our plants and we start stressing them. Because as a farmer I know that like with blueberry plants or with citrus trees, when I begin to stress that tree, it goes into a mode all of a sudden it wants to produce fruit. Because that plant internally, when it feels stress, all of a sudden no longer just wants to look pretty. It wants to save itself. And see, fruit, we often associate with us eating. That's not what the plant associates fruit with. A blueberry contains some small seeds in it. Citrus, before we genetically bred the seeds out of it, used to have seeds in it. Um, now most of you guys don't like having your little, your little cootie or halo oranges with seeds in them, but they originally did have seeds in them. Because the fruit, that flesh around those seeds, that's just a protector and carrier for what's deeper inside. The purpose of fruit is reproduction. That's why a plant produces fruit. That's why when some stress is put on that plant, it goes into reproduction mode. Okay, I've got to save myself. I'm going to save myself by putting out there that which will help reproduce what I am. That's actually what we're called to as believers. 36 times in the Gospels alone, Jesus is recorded as having talked about fruit and bearing fruit. 36 times. But I don't think he just talked about the importance of bearing fruit and being fruitful because he wanted us to be those who were going out and feeding hungry people. He knew very, very well that when fruit is produced in a believer's life, what that fruit carries are the very seeds of the kingdom. And so... In Galatians, when Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit being love and joy, peace and patience, and all these different things, the end goal of the fruit isn't just to be loving. The end goal is that your love would carry the seeds of the kingdom to whoever consumed it. And that in them, those seeds of the kingdom will be planted. And then they also would bear fruit of the kingdom. And that it would just spread and spread and spread. So maybe now you see a little more of that deep connection between fruit and these just like these kind of just deep spiritual realities. I don't think that Jesus just drew on agriculture because they were surrounded by it. 
I don't think the upper room discourse, he talks about a vine and fruit and whatnot just because they could look outside the window and see a vineyard. You see, God, in his design of all creation, didn't by happenstance just make things one way and things another. There's a purpose behind his design. And he knew it, and you can tell. Even look in the Proverbs. He points to an ant in Proverbs and says, hey, look at the wisdom of an ant that sees the winter coming and stores its fruit in the summer. Look at the wisdom of a, of a badger who knows it can get picked off by an eagle at any time, so it makes its home in the rocks where it's safe. See, God knew in his design that I'm going I'm to create all these things so that in them you can understand more about me, about who I am, about who you are. The more and more I understand plant science, the more and more I see the beauty of the design of a creator who's not just trying to help us eat, but he's trying to reveal himself even in the intricacies of how a plant produces fruit. So maybe then with that, you're like, hey, yeah, I, I, I love that idea. I, I want to have from my life come the, the very carrier of the seeds of the kingdom for others around me. How do I get there? It's a great question because verse 5 talks about much fruit. But before, before that passage talks about much fruit, it mentions fruit by itself and then it says more fruit. So that's where we're going next. Verses 1 and 2. Just 1 and 2. This is how Jesus starts that discourse. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Before you can get to fruit, we have to understand two things. The first of them, that Jesus is the true vine. Now in verse 5, he just says vine. But here to start out, he says true vine. And again, this is not just because there was a vineyard outside the window. He says this because this will very specifically bring up for the children and people of Israel a negative connotation. Isaiah chapter 5. The prophet Isaiah speaks condemnation over the people of Israel for their faithlessness. And he uses the example of a vineyard. He said, man, God planted you to be a choice vineyard. God planted you to be a beautiful vineyard that would produce good fruit. And you became degenerate. And you became wild vines. Problem with wild vines. They grow along the ground. Problem with growing along the ground is that's where dirt is, that's where bugs are, that's where moisture stays. All those three things are bad when it comes to producing fruit. Not that a branch can't survive in the dirt, but when a blossom opens, it is the most just delicate part of a plant. And that blossom when it opens, which is the source where fruit will come from, has very little ability to protect itself. And if that blossom opens in the dirt, what's going to happen? It's not going to make it. It's going to die. And you will not get fruit. You will not get seeds. You will get death. And the other part with that too, when a blossom opens, um, that's also now a pathway into infect the rest of the plant. So Israel became a degenerate vine. They became a wild vine. And during the period of their exile and being conquered by the Assyrians and then the southern kingdom being taken over by the Babylonians, these words were spoken over them. You were a degenerate, wild vine. And now God is going to destroy your nation. So when Jesus brings up this terminology, I am the true vine, it wasn't like warm and fuzzies. It was an eyes open of, because that, that picture was the banner of shame over their life. It had been a banner of shame over their life 
for over 500 years. I mean, imagine that. Like maybe, maybe, maybe some of you, like, like once a year, you, you know, you, you take part in, uh, let's pick something. Maybe, maybe you're a runner here. Um, and you say, hey, once a year, I, I, I train all year to go run this race. And last year, you were running the race, you were about to win, you slipped and fell over a shoelace, you ate it face first in front of the finish line, everybody laughed, the social media was blowing up with like you like just on the ground. And that race became a banner of shame for you for the year. And you trained and you trained and you trained. The next year you came back and you blew away the field and you got rid of that banner of shame to where no one remembered that anymore. Imagine what you would have felt that one year carrying that shame with you and how it would have motivated you, but also just eaten away at you. Then imagine for 500 years and all these successive generations living in exile, seeing their cities ruined, having this remembrance that you were, you were once told you were God's chosen people, but now you're living in bondage for 500 years. And that's the banner of shame over your life. And Jesus comes now and says, I am the true vine. What you could not be, you could not be the beautiful vineyard. I am the beautiful vineyard. And guess what? Now you, you get to be the branch. You don't have to try to be that vineyard anymore. You don't have to try to clean yourself up and fight the battles and be good enough and be pretty enough and produce enough fruit because that's me. You get to be the branch. Stick with me and you will produce fruit, but not because you have to carry the weight of it, but because I will carry the weight and bring you along with me. That is the very beginning of what it is to produce fruit, is to realize that we are not the vine. He is the vine. And the Father, as it says in verse 1, is the vine dresser. Vine dresser is a very specific job when it comes to taking care of grapes. It's someone employed literally to walk around and pick up branches off the ground and retrain them on the big trellis, on the wire, and on the post that hold up the vines off the ground. That's what this person does. He walks around literally. He's picking up, he's dusting off, and he's retraining, putting back where you need to be. Jesus says, that is my Father. He's not asking you to pick yourself up off the ground. He's not asking you to clean yourself off. He will do that. He will do that for you. In verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So the first idea, every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Um, we know, I, I know, in, in, the, in the business I work in, that there's only so much energy every plant or tree has. And I am employed um, by landowners not to make their farms again look pretty, but by making the farms fruitful. So my focus is helping maximize with the energy that that plant or tree will have what it can produce. So when I find these big branches that look nice but don't, don't do anything, they come off right away. Because otherwise they're going to they're gonna just suck the life out of that tree and, and produce nothing from it. So they, they come off. They come off because they become a burden to that which is producing fruit. So Jesus says, and I think this is one of those statements that kind of should make us eyes open a little bit, that hey, if you're not bearing fruit, God's going to deal with that. He's going to deal with that. And he's not going to let that persist. He's not, he's not okay. He's not content with the lack of fruit being produced. Because what that fruit is, going back again to Galatians 5, that fruit is the visible manifestation of Jesus. 
love, patience, kindness, goodness. So what this is telling us is if there is not the visible manifestation of Jesus coming out of your life, even if it's only a, a little bit and it's kind, of, it's kind of rocky and it's difficult, man, ask the Lord, well, what's going on here? Why am I just me? And why is none of you coming out? But okay, now say you are producing fruit and you are seeing some fruit in your life. How then do you go to more fruit and much fruit? Because I do believe that is the calling for us. It's not just to be content with a little bit of fruit in our lives, but to be desiring that God would produce more fruit and much fruit. In agriculture, we, we look at it this way. It might be a little small, but you can see it. On the left there is a, is a new uh, blueberry farm we planted after about six months, plants in the ground. And on the right is a five-year-old blueberry farm with you know bushes that are five, six feet tall. How do I go from one to the other? Because that one on the left there, there can be a little bit of fruit, but that one on the right, that's got much fruit. Much fruit. So how do I go from one to the other? There are lots of important things we do every year. We, we, we feed our plants nutritionally. Um, we water them appropriately. But if there's one thing more than anything else that will affect the ability to get from the picture on the left to the picture on the right, it's pruning. Maybe surprise some of you that pruning would be that important, right? Because in our experience, especially if you kind of just kind of like trim things around your house, like pruning is just kind of lopping off the overgrowth. It's just kind of keeping things in control. But that's not quite the same when it comes to fruit production. It's not quite the same. And so what we're going to do in the next few minutes, and bear with me on this, is we are going to walk through kind of the process of what I and my business do to help what goes on, what's on the left become what's on the right. Because I think in that we're going to see some real deep spiritual realities. Because it's not just me hoping that there's some connection between the two. Jesus, 36 times in the gospel, says there's a connection between the two. There's a connection between the two. All right. So the first thing that happens to those plants on the left is that they get a haircut. They get a haircut. So that plant on the left, when it was first put in, um, out of the nursery, looks a bit like you know that there. And then where those little dotted lines are, that's, that's where we go and we cut it right away. That seemed crazy to you? Like, what in the world are you doing? Who's killing that thing? I'm not killing it. What I'm doing is helping that plant for the next year, focus on going deep and not going up. Because before that plant can sustain what it wants to push up, because these, these plants, I mean, they are, they are made to produce fruit. Like a blueberry plant, right away it wants to start pushing blossoms, fruits. It, it wants to get going. But I know if I let it get going too early, that plant's going to collapse. It's not going to have it. It's going to die. It just it doesn't have what it needs. So we put those plants in the ground and we make some hard cuts. And we put, make that thing about this tall. Because I want it to go deep. I want to put roots in the ground. And it's only got so much energy in its youth to go one way or the other. And I want to go deep. So that later on down the road, it can go up. And it can branch out. So that's year one. Twelve months later, that plant will go from the little thing we cut it down to to being, yeah, it's a decent little plant now. Looks pretty good. And we'll come back again and we'll We'll cut it down again. We'll say, hey, you're not quite ready yet to be as vigorous as you want to be. And we'll identify some real strong canes or what they're called, kind of that, that thick stock. It's called a cane. Um, I'll throw it out there because I'll end up using that word a lot today because that's just in my vocabulary. We'll pick some of the strongest canes 
and we'll start early on shaping that plant to get rid of anything that's trying to cross the middle and it's kind of that's gonna you know one create confusion in the middle um, and also that's going to shade the inside of the plant because more than anything in agriculture I'm not harvesting fruit I'm harvesting light that's that's what I do in agriculture I harvest light and I want to do everything I can to help that plant as it grows be able to take in as much light as it can in all of its being, including the middle. And so we'll come in, and we will uh, prune that way. Now you'll see at the very ends of those plants, you see some little, like little, little round things, like little buds forming. Again, that plant wants to start producing fruit, and wants to start producing fruit. But what we'll do is we'll come in, and we'll just, with our hands, strip all that off. It's not ready yet. The plant looks bigger. It wants to go. It wants to produce fruit. And we say, you know what, you're not ready quite yet. Because I don't want your efforts to be focused on putting out fruit for other people. I want your efforts to be focused on still going deep, but also now growing more of those canes and producing more leaves. That before it's ready to give out, it's got to be able to take in. So we want to go deep, and we want to help be able to take in. So another year down the road, plant gets quite a bit bigger. It's quite a bit bigger. And now, that plant on the right, we say it's ready to produce a little bit of fruit. It, it will want to set a lot of fruit, that plant on the right in that picture. We'll come in and we'll, we'll strip off about half of the blossoms that form. So it can produce about half of what it really wants to. Because again, what will happen is that if I let that plant just go crazy as a three-year-old plant, it's too soon. It's not strong enough. And it'll wear itself out. And maybe you've been there. Maybe when you first put your faith in the Lord, you're like, hey, I'm excited. I want to run, Lord. I want to do all this. You got, you got plugged into ministries. You were trying to pour out to other people, and you got exhausted. You got tired. And maybe you're still wrestling through, why did I get tired? What did I do wrong, Lord? What did I do wrong? Maybe God's just saying it was too soon, too fast. Before you can really be ready for a life of productivity, you have to be rooted deeply, and you have to be, be structured. Your life has to be structured to take in from me when I pour out to you. So that plant on the right gets to produce a little bit of fruit. But even again, we'll come back and we'll still prune that down quite a bit. Prune that down quite a bit. And pruning doesn't stop after year three or year four. We prune every year. Now, just so you're not looking at little stick figures, I'm going to show you an actual picture. This is an actual year three plant um, there from one of our farms. And... So you can see that one of our focuses really is keeping the clutter and confusion in the middle of that plant kind of calm down. Because nothing will grow in the absence of light. And nothing will grow in the absence of airflow. And so we are really intentional about keeping that plant to where light can get to almost every part of it at all times throughout the day. Because where there is an absence of light, that's where the pests come in. Where there's an absence of light, that's where disease comes in, often. So we want all of that plant to be exposed to the sun. And if you haven't gotten the hint of spiritual undertone there, it should be strong. For health, for long-term health, God wants to keep space in your lives to where He can get into every part. And He may be asking you to slowly move forward with Him in your growth so that he can help you deeply root as you get to know him better. 
and he can help you form to where the pattern of your life, the structure of your life is such that regularly you're getting from the sun what you need. So year over year after that, this year over year after that, this is about what we do. Every year. Every year. We'll take a plant that right during harvest looks like the plant on the left. Once we get the fruit off, we'll trim it down to the plant on the right. Because plants don't need any encouragement to grow. They want to grow. They actually need to be structured in a way and cared for in a way that they're protected from themselves. That the chaos and confusion is reduced. That the ability to receive from the sun is encouraged. And so how then would we say that this fits into kind of the overall topic and, and theme of what Zeke's been talking about? This refresh, renew, revive. How do we as believers, how do you here as a church avoid becoming stale? Becoming old, becoming dead. And by old I don't mean age. As Daniel mentioned, 50 and better. 15 better. Well, a couple things. One, and I've hit on a lot of times, we've got to be diligent about increasing the ways that light gets in and intercepts parts of our lives. If there are any areas of your lives that you say are kind of shaded from the Lord, hey, I don't really want you to press in on this, that's going to be where death comes in. It's going to be where disease comes in. That's going to be the very place that you're vulnerable. So you have the choice. And I have, and, I have, and I have the choice as a farmer. I can address it this year or next year. But if I wait till next year, it's going to be a lot worse. And I may have to, you know, basically take the plant out. But if we get to things right away, farming is a very timely business. The sooner I get to something, the better chance I have at saving the plant. And let's be intentional. The second bullet point there about creating space. Let's not always go to the edge of exhaustion. I feel like so often, like that's our American way of life, right? More, 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 more. I was just at a, I was just at an industry conference in Phoenix, sitting next to a guy from Australia, who was just joking. He was, he, the guy from Australia, a very successful farmer, had, had done great. But his joke was that you Americans, you feel like by exhausting yourselves, you get somewhere and impress people. We feel for you. And so, how can we be intentional in creating space and not feel bad about it? Not feel bad saying, "Hey, you know, what? I need to say no to that." I need to say no to that in my life. Um, my wife and I talk about this regularly. You know, we've got uh, our two little boys. I have a five-year-old and two-and-a-half-year-old. Fun time in their lives, busy time in their lives. We're on the brink of, like, my oldest starting kindergarten, recreational sports coming in, potentially. Um, you know, things at work. I, I, as I mentioned, we, we manage over 12,000 acres. My, my dad has since transitioned out of the day-to-day, -day, so I run the day-to-day -day for our two, our two states and our all our divisions and all our people, and Whatnot. So it's, it, there's, there's a lot on our plate. We're plugged into our, our local church in Visalia, California, where we live. And yet we intentionally talk about, okay, where do we need to create space? So we don't get to exhaustion and have to react. But by being proactive about looking at our lives and saying, what maybe are good things, but right now they're not the God things. And that we're willing to say no. We're willing to say no. I'm encouraging even the leadership of this church to be open to hearing you say no. If any of you who are involved in pouring out and wanting to bless and minister to others, if you need to back up, um, one of our parts of last night was just encouraging that it's okay for people who want to create space. Encourage that. Because if we get to this curve where we go like to exhaustion really quick and things fall off fast, 
you're actually much less ahead than if you incrementally like just kind of like slowly build the trajectory of what of what is going on here. Um, we uh, in on, on uh, as as a blueberry grower. When we first got into it 15 years ago, we heard from people who've been growing blueberries for a long time that you need to guard yourself from the tendency to want to just go fruit, more fruit, and a lot of fruit right away. Because um, growing blueberries, the, the first year you plant the ground, the second year you strip off all the blossoms, the third year you let a little bit of fruit get there. So it's like year three till like, you make any money, and it, it costs you a lot to get into it. And the tendency then is to see your big plant, to see the, like the blossoms forming, the fruit coming, and, and to start counting your dollars. But if we start counting our dollars too soon and we get intoxicated by what could come or what the momentum is right now, I don't want to stop, and we don't stick to the plan, what happens is that about year seven with our plants, they collapse because they didn't build the base they needed. And they exhausted themselves while they were young, before they were sturdy and steady and strong. And so... Now, having been in it 15 years, we've stuck to the plan. And we've now watched some of those farms that we planted, you know, in 2001 and 2002, now have 15 years of life where, yeah, maybe we, we, we let go of some fruit in year four and five, but we're way up here in year 10, 12, 13, 14, and beyond. And the plants aren't exhausted. They were prepared. And we probably over-prepared them in some ways. We held them back too much too soon, but that, that's better than the opposite. With that also, one thing I, I um, want to share is that in, in, in a plant, um, we have a, a, a kind of an equation about those canes in there, those strong canes. Because if you look at even, I'll go back, see if I can go back to that picture real quick here. Even in there, you see different kind of colors on the right. There's like a grayish looking thing. There's kind of a deeper red. There's like a bright red. That's representative of different sizes and ages of those canes. Different sizes and ages of those canes. And we monitor that really, really closely. And we have a, kind of an equation we use that we want 15 to 20% of what makes up that plant to be um, one or two years old, th those canes, to be, to be the new ones, kind of the next wave, the next generation of what's going to happen. We want 50 to 70% to be the mature canes that are three to five years old, that are kind of the horses. They, they run with the production. Like they're, they're the really, really good ones. But we also want 15 to 20%, so at least two to three canes in that plant to be some of the original established canes. Because when the winds come, when disease comes, when the challenges come, those young canes die quickly. And the mature canes, a little bit hit and miss. But those established canes that have been around that are deeply, deeply connected to the roots and the base, they keep the plant alive. That I bring as encouragement for this church and for the leadership of this church in particular. Encourage a diversity and be intentional about the new, the mature, and the established. A healthy church needs all of those. needs all of those. And I believe even in the life of a believer, we need all those things to be present. We need to be asking the Lord for new opportunities to bear fruit. For new avenues for that to happen. We need to be asking the Lord about um, what does he want to keep in our life as kind of the mature, you know, this, this is going to be the, the horse in my life to, to bear fruit to others. 
And also, what, as part of our origins and beginnings, when we first started walking with him, does he want to kind of keep in there as well? Back forward to this slide here. Um, last couple points there. Don't ignore also what's unhealthy. Um, ignoring what's unhealthy, you know, time doesn't heal all wounds. I think people talk, like say that a lot. Oh, time will heal all wounds. Time does not heal all wounds. Um, it doesn't work that way in farming. I haven't really witnessed that in life very often. Like, man, we had a blow up. I was really mad at him. It's been two years. Ah, we'll just forget about it. Um, time can maybe like callous over some wounds, but they're, they're probably still there. If we ignore what's unhealthy, eventually what happens is that's what builds in the middle of a plant that gets shaded and kind of hides and just becomes dead wood. It doesn't do anything, but it saps life. It saps life. And lastly on that, don't let a short-term decrease distract you from the long-term plan. Don't be afraid of, okay, God, if you want to cut some things out of my life right now, that's just, that's just not what I expected life to be. Lord, how, how would you want, that was a good thing. How do you want to take, how, how would you tell me, Lord, that you want to create space in my life by taking that away? Jesus told his disciples, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. He prunes. Every year with our blueberries, we cut off a lot of really good-looking canes that would be really productive. We cut out a lot of them. You may say, well, why? Because I know that the plant cannot handle that much, even if it thinks it can. And maybe it could for a year or two. But not forever. It would wear it out. And so we as a farmer, in a sense, play the role of, of the Lord to those plants in the, in, in the sense that we have to manage for that plant what it wouldn't do for itself. And, and I invite you guys this morning, and we're going we're gonna to pray, and then the team's going to come back up, that it's really, really important to seek the Lord. And Lord, what do you want the structure of my life to look like? Lord, how do you want to keep light coming in? Because where there's no light, there's no life. And my hope, and for others, is that for years to come, um, we'd be able to harvest fruit that our children and our children's children would enjoy and then reproduce the seeds of. You know, my boys, a lot of times in the weekend, get to come out with me and drive around. Um, and, and they enjoy right now the fruits, but someday they're going to learn how to care for the plants. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you know us better than we even know ourselves. And you care for us more deeply than we could ever care for ourselves. And that's comforting, Lord, because the topic of pruning involves pain. And the topic of pruning involves cutting things off or saying no to things that we may hold near and dear. But it also involves you addressing within us areas that aren't healthy and wanting to graciously remove them. Jesus, I pray that uh, for this church, for everyone who's here, that not only would you lead us to bear fruit, Lord, not only would you lead to our lives producing the visible picture of Jesus, but in producing that, Lord, you'd carry the seeds of your kingdom to others, to our kids, to our parents, to our siblings, to our friends, to our neighbors, to the cashier at the grocery store. Lord, 
They're your seeds. And they may not seem significant at the time. They're pretty small in a piece of fruit, but they're powerful. And so, Lord, lead us to be people that seek, Lord, much fruit. And Lord, I pray that there are any in here who are still trying to be their own vine. Lord, who are still trying to do things on their own in a way of hoping it's good enough. Or if there are any here who have just given up on even trying to be good enough and are the kind of more the wild vine, just saying, hey, it is what it is. And I'll just, I'll just deal with people stamping on my branches and bugs poking away at me. But I pray for any of those that you would lift eyes to the reality, Lord, that you're the true vine. And you just want us to be a branch. Lord, you don't want us to try to be our own God. There's nothing there for us. But Lord, there is great joy in being a branch. Thank you for being the true vine, Lord. I ask this morning that you would um, bless my brothers and sisters, Lord, as we go from here. We pray this in your name. Amen.